somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from his looks for Damas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. And still to come, she's America's favorite doctor. Just don't call her a cover girl, Laura Purdy, MD. And more music spotlight from Katie Nicole, not to mention Assignment Desk Weekend. And now, from Times Square, where the pizza rats drink their weight in Diet Coke and have the Nutra-Sweet tumors to prove it, here's that Kevin! But does anybody know how much Diet Coke that would require the pizza uh, rats to consume? Like, 80 times their weight. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, we always have lots of fun in hour number two because we get started with Assignment Desk Weekend. Late on Friday, conservatives in the House approved nearly 1,500 amendments to be removed from the current defense bill. The cut the woke out of the military bill passed in the subcommittee 58 to 1 and will now proceed to the full House. Former Pentagon spokesman and current national security spokesman John Kirby responded, claiming the cuts will make the military less effective. Because we all know that Russia, China, and Iran would just quake in their boots at the sight of fighting men in dresses, uh, not to mention the drag queen story hour dance parties every Tuesday. Here at home, first son Hunter Biden, pictured here wiping uh, some remnants of powdered sugar off his upper lip in the West Wing Library, was relieved to find out that the Secret Service had closed the mystery of the cocaine in the White House without naming a suspect. Private security personnel from the White House confirmed to Assignment Desk Weekend that the corresponding surveillance tapes, visitors' logs, and fingerprints on the dime bag likely all matched the only known addict in the president's inner circle. But alas, the Secret Service said the mystery persists. On Friday, the president pictured here throwing dollar dollar bills, yo, at a stripper he does not yet realize is the mother of his granddaughter, announced a $39 billion package in debt forgiveness for college loans of more than 800,000 people. Conservative media spent much of the day condemning the action as a defiance of the Supreme Court's recent ruling and authority. But in actuality, Joe Biden did so poorly in law school that it's now believed he has uh, been forced to admit that he just has no idea what the Supreme Court actually is. Speaking of the commander-in-chief's general lack of awareness, uh, Joe Biden uh, got caught on camera again, trying to eat a child who is clearly afraid. No, take a look. 
We got some zoomed in. Look at the expression on this one's face. Look at that. En route to Washington at this moment, but this was him wrapping up today's meeting with Nordic leaders, as you saw it here just moments ago. The president departing Helsinki, Finland. Simon Desk weekend debated running this story due to what the White House claimed was a lack of evidence demonstrating any pattern of inappropriate behavior from the president in this manner. And then we at Assignment Desk Weekend opened Google. A former federal investigator is speaking out on those newly unredacted documents surrounding Dr. Anthony Fauci's early days and movements during COVID. The investigator saying that there is clear evidence of a cover-up. Journalists were naturally interested and asked him to cite an example. He referred them to a very cloudy, uh, unclear portion of the documents where Dr. Fauci said, and I quote, it was the gain of function. I did it. Now someone needs to go beat up Senator Rand Paul. The DOJ still said that the statement seemed to be too ambiguous to prosecute. Back to tonight's top story. <laughs> Those fighting drag queens. Maybelline Makeup is expressing frustration with the mockery and outrage being leveled at the beauty company over the use of a new bearded spokesmodel. Bearded spokesmodel. Simon Desk Weekend is also puzzled. I mean, doesn't it seem natural that every parent wants their daughter to grow up to look like this? Simon Desk Weekend, though, does also acknowledge that a bearded influencer might also be problematic for Maybelline's longtime slogan. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Despite being the number one film in America, the new Jim Caviezel film Sound of Freedom is being boycotted by some critics. New York Times, Washington Post among them. CBS 60 Minutes producers uh, only less than three years ago were seen highlighting Tim Ballard's work in rescuing children from human trafficking. Uh, Tim Ballard is the character played by Jim Caviezel in the Sound of Freedom film, which is now playing in theaters near you. And now 60 Minutes has compared the story to a QAnon conspiracy. In fact, the critics laugh at the claim that any political group could ever possibly be accused of looking favorably at child trafficking. Wait, this just in. Democrats in California have just voted to successfully block a bill that would have made child trafficking a felony. In health news, the WHO has labeled aspartame a carcinogen after a study of rats confirmed it had caused cancerous tumors to appear. After translating the amount of aspartame consumed in order to cause those tumors, the WHO failed to mention it would require humans to consume nearly 2,400 Diet Cokes a month to mirror the results. Gotta love the WHO, always passing on these helpful studies. Not to mention passing on to the rest of us all of China's new novel viruses. And finally, it was an interesting, some would say, uh, struggling week for the vice president, master linguist that she is. First, she tried her hand at explaining AI. AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is, is it's about machine learning. 
And so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine, and, and we can predict then, if we think about what, machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. Then she argued what it would take to help kids breathe better in the days to come. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. Turns out she even confused the interpreter for the hearing impaired. And lastly, Hillary Clinton has banned Bill from returning to Houston, Texas, where syphilis cases are on the rise by 128%. The former first lady was overheard saying, I think you've had your fun, William Jefferson. And that's Assignment Desk Weekend. Hi there, it's me, your favorite president, 45. And me, the senator from Delaware. No, Joe, you're not a senator. Oh, what the? Anyway, we just wanted to congratulate two radio stations on having the smarts to bring that Kevin show to their weekend audiences. Well, I don't really like that Kevin show. I know, Joe, but it's my favorite. So thank you to the great radio station KKTX in Corpus Christi. And WHIR in Lexington and Danville, Kentucky. And you can always check out the highlights at That Kevin Show on Instagram and YouTube and commercial-free versions of the whole thing on Rumble. I love Rumble. So are we done yet? Hey, hey, Don, have you seen um, Hunter's bag of, of powdered sugar? No, Joe, but I heard he may have left it behind in the library. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. Senator. Anyway, always fun to have uh, you two hanging out with us on uh, the weekend on That Kevin Show. And I do want to say thank you to WHIR in Danville and Lexington, Kentucky, reaching that entire region there in the middle of the state. And, of course, Corpus Christi, my home state of Texas, and the very, very good people at KKTX. Thank you for adding us on the radio side. Some people don't realize this. This is a show that is on two TV networks and over 300 radio stations every weekend. Ready or not, you'll be right back. That Kevin. Now, back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is someone who has become known as America's favorite doctor. How does that happen? I will have to ask her. But she's also licensed in all 50 states, and she's on the cover of fashion magazines from sea to shining sea. How does all that work together? Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Dr. Laura Purdy. <laughs> Thanks for having me today. That was a lovely introduction. You like that? Well, um, you are a fascinating person with a lot of uh, very interesting kind of uh, irons in the fire, as they say. You're also a veteran of the United States, if my uh, sources uh, confirm properly. 
Uh, can confirm. Yes, I was in the Army as a physician for 14 years. I got out in 2021. So you must have entered when you were, what, 12? I mean, this <laughs> is just, just a little yeah, bit. you know, it was right around the second grade, and it just went right in, it was a, <laughs> you know, kind of a, a early entry program. Well, um, so we've already laid the foundation for a great conversation, but thank you for being with us. Um, you have been a real strong proponent, advocate even, for something called telemedicine. And before COVID occurred, it was already kind of on an on a kind of an upward arch for at least a good decade prior to that. But it was it was rolled out in bits and pieces. You could do something over the phone, and then they had oh this thing called video chat where you could actually you know the doctor and you could see each other face to face. But the resolutions weren't that good. But now we've got computers and cameras and stuff in our lives, even uh, phones uh, with cameras in our pockets that have really clear HD display. How much medicine, Laura Purdy, do you think can be moved to the virtual uh, reality space? As much as possible. I, what I tell people is we'll never be able to replace everything that we do in the doctor's office or the hospital or the clinic with virtual care. But what I would like to see, I would really love to see it follow the banking industry. Very rarely do we have to go inside of a bank, right? And so I would love to see where we funnel off as much as possible that we can into the virtual space, space to leave room for the things that absolutely must be done in person to be done in person. I have the four main Fox News medical all-stars uh, on my show regularly, Dr. Siegel, Nashawat, McCary, and uh, um uh, Sapphire, and they have been talking for some time uh, in their hits on television and otherwise about the the real need that COVID kind of exposed to us to rethink medicine with technology coupled with um, kind of getting back to basics in terms of doctor care. We we did a lot of things wrong in COVID. We we put too much emphasis on the ER and the pharmacy and that sort of thing, as opposed to really letting doctors and patients decide what they needed to do best. Your your idea of telehealth actually moves the doctor back closer into the patient's life, does it not? Uh, 1,000%. And what I tell people is right now, who gets to legally define what is a doctor-patient relationship is regulators and lawmakers. But as a person who, I mean, I've had countless at this point, number of virtual health patients. It's all that I do. I think that who should define what that relationship is, is actually the patient. If the patient feels like they have a relationship with their doctor, no matter what modalities are used, as long as they're HIPAA compliant, you're protecting the data and not you know, having any undue risk in that way. If it's chatting, if it's texting, if it's video, if it's audio, I feel like we should be able to use those modalities to establish a relationship in whatever way the patient feels like they are getting the good health care. If you think about it, when medicine was starting out, you know, oftentimes doctors were paid with a chicken or, you know, a bale of hay or other things that uh, as the pioneer and frontier went across the country, uh, it was the exchange of what they had for what they needed. Um, this is kind of the new frontier. This is the ability to have that relationship in a way that um, really does kind of redefine uh, that kind of closest. And I noticed on your um, Instagram this last week, you put up a post that encouraged people to become your patient. But Dr. Purdy, 
what's the constraint on your time? You, you're a mom. You have lots of responsibilities outside the office. Can a doctor really take on the larger crowd of patients that telehealth would inevitably lead to? Absolutely. And I, well, I, I agree with your first statement, right? Back in the day, that's what healthcare was. It was brought to the patient where they are. And if you think about it, it also met the needs of the doctor too. So when you take away all of the extraneous things that control our environment, work days, hospitals, clinic hours, parking lots, driving, transportation, it really, and then also the the fact that we have you know 10 or 15 or 20 minute appointments and that's the only amount of time you can see the patient. If you take all of that out and reduce it down to that doctor-patient interaction, it becomes simpler, it becomes faster, and it doesn't have to be done in real time. I will tell you that um, processes, procedures, scaling, and support staff is still really, really, really important. So I have a massive staff that works in my virtual primary care clinic. I'm actually bringing on new providers as well because I believe that I can teach other people to be the type of doctor that I am with mm. the heart and the mission and the values and the ability to provide care. I can steward that onto other people. So when people come into my clinic, they may see me, they may see one of my nurse practitioners. They may talk to one of my nurses for a couple of weeks while they decide what they would like. And then they end up in front of me. But I feel like we've really found a way to distill that relationship down to something that's very focused between the doctor and patient when it's time and allows me to take care of so many more patients that I would in the, the brick and mortar world. She has a podcast. You can follow her on social media. There's lots about this lady that uh, you're going to love to get to know and understand why she does what she does. Uh, Dr. Laura Purdy is our guest. Uh, doctor, uh, you served your nation in uniform for 14 years. Um, did you see yourself doing that when you were a young girl? Absolutely not. I thought I was going to grow up and become a pianist. I wanted to be a professional accompanist, and that didn't work out the way that I imagined it would. Didn't and want to put then, in the practice hours, did you? I it, it's yeah, Actually, you know what? I did, but I was too nice. I'm not competitive, which is shocking. I know. I'm not competitive, and professional music, at least at that time, was very competitive. No, it and still is. Yes, indeed. I, I don't have a competitive competitive nature to me at all, really. And so my father suggested to me that I go into healthcare. A little bit of trial and error later, I landed on becoming a physician. Well, and, and that speaks to the personality of the non-competitive person, right? So you want your doctor to be only concerned about getting the diagnosis, not because he's trying to outdo colleagues, but because he's paying attention to what your case is about. There's so much wrong with our healthcare system. And I think in a lot of instances, the attitude, the heart, the mentality, and for the lack of a better term, the customer service that we receive from physicians, but even other clinicians as well, nurse practitioners, PAs, anyone who interfaces with patients, the customer service level is not where it should be. I think we have very low standards of behavior, and and I think we really need to raise the bar um, and being not competitive and having love and care for our patients, but not at the expense of our patients is a step in that direction. Friends, normally we do this a little bit backwards. Normally we do the get to know part of the interview and then we do the uh, issue that they're passionate about. We've, we've started with Dr. Purdy's most <laughs> passionate issue. When we come back from this break, we're gonna get to know her a little bit more. Stay here. Ready or not, we'll be right back. 
that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. And we're back from Times Square. It's that Kevin show. Kevin McCullough every Saturday and Sunday night on the Salem News Channel, Biz TV, and more than 300 radio stations simultaneously. So, Dr. Purdy, I don't think I told you any of that. Uh, before we booked you, but uh, don't worry about it. It's just you and me having a chat. Just forget the millions and millions of people that are out there paying attention. Hey, um, l- let me ask you about this. If people are getting to understand what you've done and, and where you've been, they're going to discover you've been on the cover of a lot of fashion magazines. Is this, is fashion, are you a fashion file? Is this something that kind of, I, my bride is, she, you know, she's got her favorite designers <laughs> and she loves it. And her her favorite thing is to score the right deal on the right outfit like she doesn't want to pay full price for any of it but she watches and she tags stuff and when it drops in price you talk about an internet generation she's she's on it um what what's your what's your interaction here well so full transparency we said i was in the military for 14 years and to say i had no wardrobe getting out of the military which was just 2021 was when i got out so it was a little over two years ago may 2021 to say i had no wardrobe is an absolute understatement and you had your fatigues so and your white robe, and that was probably about it. That's it. I had PTs, you know, the, the shirt that said Army on it, and that, that was all I had. The shorts that said Army on it, that was it. The glow belt. Um, and so w- what happened was I got I got out, and I started doing a little bit more public speaking, public appearances. Yes, some magazine covers popped up, but I had no earthly idea how to dress. So I have had coaches, stylists, wardrobe people. I mean, everyone under the sun trying to help me figure out (laughs) how to know how to dress, which, I mean, it it seems a little silly, but that's something that we really take for granted. So what you'll notice with the cover of the fashion magazines is it's not just the cover that they give. If you open it, you will find that there's usually a five to 10, sometimes even 15 page story about who I am and what I'm doing. But the pictures are just the kind of the doorway into what I consider to be the the really important thing. And so um, so I, I actually am learning to love fashion. I think it's a really fun expression of myself and I'm learning how to use clothing in the right place, right time, right situation, right season, right people in order to really have a fun expression. But this very, very new thing for me that I'm really just learning how to do. You just, you just, made so many women just put their hands their head in their hands and go oh because uh they they've had the same frustrations and and uh but they they've they've not had somebody come along and uh help them the way uh you were able to do that and that's i think that's wonderful um i think that one of the things that i really wish we did more of was just really find the beauty in um, life and in people and accentuate that and help that to be seen. And I'm not talking about purely physical, but uh, who the human person is, the spirit and and what we can do. And it seems like your whole life is kind of wrapped up in that. It's um, yeah, you're, you're, you're enjoying the fashion externally, but your heart is really to help people. Absolutely. It is what I tell anyone who will listen and what I tell my staff every day and what I tell my patients or even regulators, investigators, anybody who wants to talk to me, right? Because what I'm doing, you're right, there's a lot of visibility. There's a lot of eyes looking. And that means there's a lot of questions. And what help people is it matters more why we are doing something than what exactly we are doing. It's the heart, it's the mission, it's the values and the why. And if we are going to be different, we have to be different. And, and that comes from here. So this is much more what I'm concerned about than, than anything externally. 
That is so well said. So let me uh, let you do a little commercial. If people want to become a patient of America's favorite doctor, and we now can understand a little bit why you would be called that, um, how do they how do they become a patient for Dr. Laura Purdy? Well, if you would like to become a patient, there's a few there's a few ways to find me. I do have a website, which is drlaurapurdy, drlaurapurdy.com, and there's a button you can click to become a patient. I also have an Instagram, which is at America's Favorite Doctor. It's all spelled out, and there's a link there as well. I do have a LinkedIn, and really, I mean, you can find me just about anywhere, but I, I would encourage you to take a look at what we, I say we, because AFD, we, we we say AFD instead of America's Favorite Doctor. At Team AFD, we have so many people who are working towards this mission of creating a new healthcare system, and I really think we're going to do it. And so I would encourage you to follow along, look at what we're doing, look at why we're doing it. And I find that that once, once people do that, they not only be, want to become a patient, but they also want to become an advocate and a part of, of what we're trying to do. That is so cool. Um... Laura Purdy. By the way, if you're listening by way of radio, it's P-U-R-D-Y. So it's it, it may be Purdy down in the South when someone looks very nice, but it's uh, P-U-R-D-Y. Uh, is how, I'm from Texas. I'm allowed to I'm allowed to pick on uh, the Southerners Kentucky, a little bit. Kentucky, there you go, um, Laura. Know, thank you so much for spending your uh, your Saturday evening with us. We're we're really grateful. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you, you have got a great it. night. Kevin McKellar, come right back. Ready or not, you'll be right back. Okay, friends, it's uh, it's the weekend, and this has been a very important week. Uh, I, I made an announcement on social media, and I talked about it on the radio show this week, but we had someone come forward this week, and the offices, the, the people at the headquarters of Christian Solidarity International let me know that for our slave liberation campaign for the year of 2023, We've had a very important development. Someone stepped forward this week and said that for the rest of this week and through the end of this weekend, uh, they are going to basically match every slave we can liberate through CSI. Now, if you have been uh, with us in past weeks, you know that we have been targeting uh, slave liberation in the area of Sudan, uh, North, Northern Sudan, Southern Sudan used to be one Sudan, Civil war came, destroyed everything, uh, but uh, the northern Arabs were kidnapping women from the south uh, and dragging them back to the north and making them their slaves uh, pre, pre-war. pre The civil war was fought partly over that, and when the countries came in and settled the, the war and the U.S. led the way and Christian Solidarity International helped facilitate all of that coming together, um, they didn't do anything about the slaves. And there were about 185,000 that were still enslaved in northern Sudan. So the world comes in, divides up the land, says, okay, southern Sudan, that's where the Christians can live. We're going to let you live there unharassed. You won't be bothered. Uh, and the north can be the, the possession of where the, uh, the Arabs live. Well, the only, the only downside to that 
was that nobody went and took care of the slaves that were already there. And Christian Solidarity International has been doing this for the last 15, almost 20 years now. And because of some of you in years past listening to me, uh, helping me with this, we have liberated close to 3,500 slaves to date. Um, and it's a very simple process, and it's kind of reminiscent of how slavery uh, was ultimately ended here in the U.S. The Civil War was fought, obviously. But you remember the, um, the Underground Railroad, uh, people that would um, go into the South and bring people out and get them to freedom, free territory in the North? Well, it's, it's just the opposite geographically there, but the same idea. Arabs from the North that want to have good relationships with the farmers in the South have said uh, that they are willing to go in, scout out where slaves may be being held, and then do what they can to bring them back. Uh, when they have affected their their liberation and they, they bring them back, then the process is very simple. The slave has a recovery camp that they get to go to uh, for a period of time. They get to uh, recuperate, receive medical attention, tell their story, uh, explain as best they can what's happened to them in years past, explain to the CSI personnel where they're from originally so that they can be reunited with family. Uh, then they are given what's called the bag of hope. And this is what we do, friends, and this is so exciting. The bag of hope is everything that they need to start their life over again. It includes much more than what will fit into one bag, by the way. It includes a year's worth of sorghum grain to eat. So food for a year. Uh, right off the top of the uh, bat, you've, you've, you've taken care of one of their biggest needs, uh, period. Uh, they have uh, tarps and things that will help them uh, protect them from the uh, harsh elements, the heat in the summer and the, the rains in the winter. In addition to that, they get a year's worth of seed that they can use to plant their own sorghum and from there uh, grow food for the coming years in front of them. They're given utensils to garden and fish and clean and, and do things with. Uh, they're given a Bible. They're given blankets uh, to help uh, keep them warm. And uh, at the end of the day, they are given a uh, sh little she-goat that can produce uh goat kids uh, for the future, and that gives them a micro-enterprise to help support themselves. Once they are given all of those things, which is way more than they've ever received in slavery, they are then uh, helped to relocate back to where their family was originally from. Many of these women were taken when they were young, young, young children. Uh, they've been in captivity for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, they're in their you know mid-20s to early 30s. They, they don't know uh, some of them don't remember much of their childhood. They have a hard time remembering uh, where they were. And for, in some instances, uh, they have been, um, well, in all instances, the women have been raped, brutally, brutally treated while in uh, captivity, in slavery. Uh, but some of them have had children that were born as well. And usually the slave master takes the child from the woman once she weans him. Uh, but in some cases, CSI has been able to negotiate the release of the uh, children as well. And we're starting to see more of them return to their uh, mothers as well, which is a very, very re rewarding thing. It's a very heartwarming thing to know that we're bringing some of those families back together. So here's where you come in. $250 one time provides that sack of hope, that bag of hope, which is everything they need to get started again once they we have them liberated. Uh, but it also provides the cattle vaccine that the slave master trades for the slave's life. It's really amazing. It sounds almost 
impossible to fathom in this day and age, but someone would value a, a, a piece of cattle more than a human being. But that's exactly what the slave masters have, and they can't get this particular vaccine called Nvidium. It helps the cattle survive the harsh weather. Uh, and so they will, for one vaccine, they will re release one slave. Uh, once they are back to the safety of South Sudan, they, there's been zero recidivism. There's no re recapturing of any of these. The uh, agreement that was established by the two sides at the end of the war settled that. But friends, there's about, of the 185,000 that were in captivity at the beginning of the, uh, the war, there are probably close to 30,000 left. And that's because of the diligence of Christian Solidarity International, you and um, other people just like you working together to liberate them. This year, our goal is 192 slaves. We have names on a list of 192 that can be released, but we cannot guarantee that they can be relocated if we don't have their bag of hope spoken for. And that's where we need you to help us. Will you liberate one slave tonight? If you do, here's the big news. There is another listener that is going to match that. So for every slave we can we can liberate right now, this evening, someone else is coming alongside and saying, I will do the same thing person for person. So if we have 40 people, go to the phone right now, 888-342-1010, and each one of them liberated one slave, this other matching donor would do 40 slaves in one gift. We are at 72. We need 192. That's 120 that are left. Will you help us? 888-342-1010. 888-342-1010. We'll be right back. That Kevin. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Katie Nicole. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven. Jesus' name I 
sure if you needed encouragement tonight, but I sure am glad Katie Nicole is there for those who do. In Jesus' name, the name of her biggest hit. That's it for that Kevin show this week. We'll be back next weekend with another great edition. I hope you join us.